There have been a number of logos that have been associated with Prince of Peace over the years. Many of you who have been with us for a while will remember them. An outline of the old church, which is now Parish House in Krogan Hall. An olive branch, it is the Prince of Peace after all. And not surprisingly, the baby Jesus. But at a certain point, I thought, you know what, we need something a little bit more coat of arms-ish. And a graphic designer friend suggested the pelican in her piety, a medieval symbol of the Eucharist. Now, you know that the secret engine room, the place where so many good things happen in our parish, is the Adoration Chapel which our dear friend Nancy Molman spent years with an incredible team of people making a reality from something which once was just a dream. So we wanted something to associate the parish with the Eucharist. And since some people think that we're stuck in the Middle Ages around here anyway, you know, we thought we just might as well lean into it by choosing one of the most traditional devices to show the spiritual reality of the most blessed sacrament. When pelicans feed their young, they chew up fish in the large sack in their beaks and then regurgitate it into the mouths of their offspring as they lower their beaks closer to their chest. Now, this is a rather messy process, of course, as you can imagine. And it looked to many observers in the ancient world that Mama Bird was piercing her own heart and feeding the blood to her young. And so it became a symbol of sacrifice for love and how the death of our Lord Jesus Christ gives resurrection for his children. That's just a small skip and a jump from that to associating the pelican with the Eucharist, which is the way the sacrifice of our Lord's love on the cross is given to us sacramentally as our Lord's death brings life through the food of immortality. It is also an interesting echo of the way that Catholics in the West have traditionally received Holy Communion for centuries, and the only way Eastern Catholics and Orthodox Christians receive communion. The person receiving communion opens her mouth, and the minister places the Blessed Sacrament directly on the tongue. Now, as I'm sure you're aware, in this country, we received permission in the ordinary form for communion to be received in the hand. There are some people who argue, well, my hand is no less created by God than my tongue, so why is it that some people act like receiving on the tongue is better in some way than receiving on the hand? But the traditional method of receiving Holy Communion isn't better or worse for that reason. I think it is important for us to understand why that traditional discipline even became a thing at all and why it remains the normative practice. 
It is an indication that we are in a posture of dependence. Think about our children, and of course we've got plenty of them around here at Prince of Peace, right? So like children depend on their mothers for life-giving food, we receive the Eucharist as food in just the same manner as a baby does from her mother. And it reminds us of those words of our Lord in Matthew chapter 18, verse 3, unless you turn and become as little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. It also denotes a posture of receiving a gift. It's not an active motion, but a passive one. A symbol that underlines that we do not merit God's grace in any way, but are given it as a gift. You know, there's also an immediacy to the act of placing the sacred host directly on the tongue. It melts in your mouth without even the act of transferring the food to your mouth with the hand. Now, I know everybody loves a good wedding, and everybody loves a great wedding reception. Think about how many that you've been to in your lives, which were just fantastic parties, and there's nothing like a Catholic wedding reception, right? Think of your wedding day, right? Think about when bride and groom take morsels of cake and put it in each other's mouths, right? The sweetness of love can't bear to be handled by anyone or anything else. And of course, you have couples with frosting all over their lips, right? They're egged on by their friends with clinking of glasses, kiss, 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 right then and there. We understand exactly what's happening in that moment. What does that have to do with the Eucharist? A lot. In Song of Songs, chapter 1, verse 2, we read, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. That's why that beautiful nuptial imagery of the Song of Songs has been interpreted by the church as a key to understanding the relationship between God and the soul, between Christ and his church, and the intimacy of the sacraments. So St. Therese of Lisieux referred to her first communion as that first kiss of Jesus. And there's a reason why we dress first communion kids like little brides and grooms on a wedding day because they've been invited for the first time to participate in the wedding feast of the Lamb sacramentally. Now, all of that symbolism that's there, you know, can risk being obscured or misinterpreted or misunderstood with the modern practice of communion in the hand. Now, in the 1970s, which I know that I'm one of the few people in this church who remembers the 70s, but not a lot of it, right? Remember, there was a lot of talk about how we needed to be mature Christians, right? We couldn't be childish Christians anymore. And at first glance, that seems like a pretty reasonable statement, right? 
except for the fact that what does our Lord say in the gospel? Unless you become as little children. People argued that the words of the consecration themselves say, take and eat, take and drink. And at any normal meal, an adult literally picks up food himself and puts it in his own mouth, unless they're at a wedding. So it's kind of crazy to think that the Lord really wanted us to receive communion in a way totally different than the way that we normally receive food. I mean, the pelican in her piety didn't actually pierce her own breast and feed her young with blood from her heart. So why would we continue this medieval practice based on bad biology? Well, it's something to consider. These are objections to the traditional practice that have come up in the last few decades. And I have to admit that it is a little strange that I am intimately familiar with the shape, color, and texture of the tongues of my parishioners. This is not what I thought I would be doing as a priest, but there's the blue tongue girl. There we go, right? I mean, I'm actually rather a bit of a germaphobe myself, so there is nothing about touching people's tongues or hands that I find appealing in the slightest, I can assure you. Yet the modern practice and the understanding of the Eucharist says, take and eat, because that's what Jesus said, right? But here's the thing, those awe-filled and awe-inspiring words, where and when were they uttered, right? At the Last Supper, when our Lord was in the upper room only with His disciples, the first priests, I want you to think about how amazing this is that not even the Blessed Virgin Mary, who was literally the first tabernacle, was told, take and eat. The priests take the host off the altar. They take the chalice from the sacred table and then they distribute. Just as our Lord gave the five loaves and the two fish to those disciples who then distributed it, multiplied miraculously to the 5,000, the multitudes who were waiting for a miracle. If the church's traditional method for feeding the faithful is direct delivery, as it were, then surely there's wisdom in that. Dependence, humility, receiving, passivity, gift, immediacy of gestures of love. Those virtues are all wired into the way that Catholics traditionally receive communion. And if the law of prayer is the law of belief, even things that may seem inconsequential to some, like the methods of delivery for the Eucharist, have meaning when we understand why the way that they are and when they are observed and can acquire different meanings if and when they're changed, if we're not careful.
Now, you know just as well as I do that we live in an age today when people have declared their independence before God. I mean, to such an extent that at best many just kind of ignore the teaching of the Catholic Church, and at worst they will say that God doesn't even exist. We think that we can just take whatever we want and leave what we don't want from our faith as if it's a smorgasbord of options in a cafeteria, right? We like to think that we are the masters of the universe and that we have to be in action 24-7 to make the world into our own image and likeness. And then we constantly struggle with others who have a different vision than us. We act sometimes, and I don't know if we would admit this to ourselves, but if you really scratch beneath the surface and do an examination of conscience, we act sometimes like we have a right to the grace of God. I remember the Coptic patriarch of Alexandria, Pope Shenouda III, who came here to Greenville many years ago now, said, the only right that you have with God is to repent, right? But we get this idea in our heads We think that we have a right to be a Christian on our own terms, a right to do whatever we want regardless of whether it is actually true or not. We all want love, but then we do everything we can to sabotage what brings true love because even though we desire that, we still can't imagine pouring ourselves out in total self-sacrifice. What about me? What about my needs? Our Lord didn't do that on the cross. It hurt. It was painful. It was uncomfortable. It was agonizing. And He gave it all. And because of that, we were able to be redeemed. But that isn't just a historical memory of the past. That is something that is made present to us because the fruits of that sacrifice are shared in Holy Communion. And if we truly allow ourselves to be shaped by the fruits of that sacrifice, by the joy of that sacrament, we are inspired to give of ourselves not just a little bit, not just a partnership where, well, I give some and you give some and then we compromise on the, on the middle, but we give entirely of ourselves without counting the cost. But we live in the time that we do. It is a very rebellious age. And the church, the Eucharist, we stand as a sign of contradiction to all of those vices, the delusions of autonomy, right, outside of the communion of faith. And we sign that contradiction, but something really simple. We are children of a loving Father, totally trusting in our God to take care of all of our needs. My hope is that this fundamental truth can govern the way that we live and move and have our being, from the way that we interact with others 
all the way down to things like the method by which we choose to receive the Most Holy Eucharist. You know, at churches all over the world today, on this Feast of Corpus Christi, it has become customary for priests to take advantage of this feast to talk about things like how to receive communion reverently, right? A proper etiquette for Mass, okay? I've heard tons of these sermons. You've heard tons of these sermons. You can hear them on the internet. You can hear them in churches all the world. The laundry list of do this and don't do that, okay? And of moaning and groaning about how we have to have a Eucharistic renewal in the church because nobody comes to Mass anymore and nobody believes in the real presence. And even Catholics who come to Mass, they don't really believe in the real presence. It goes on and on and on, right? And as well-intentioned as these initiatives are, and as much as they may have their place in some way, and you've heard me talk about these things as well, right? I'm not quite sure they're making a lot of headway, to be perfectly honest with you, in turning the ship around. Maybe that's just me of little faith. Maybe there's much more that I and my poverty of, of vision am not seeing. But I think that there is one way, one surefire way, that we can have a renewal, a restoration, a rediscovery of the Eucharist, and it's really simple. Let us today rediscover who Jesus is, and with great simplicity, loving trust and confidence, surrender our lives to Him just like little children. <laughs>